0: the gates and ready to go hot Mike with Hutton with row underway the monday edition is here jam-packed show the biggest event in sports across the country is happening right now in music city with sec on full display getting ready for the college football season got some great coverage headed your way from there glad you're with us here on the outkick network which includes our youtube channel if you're not there already you can join chad in the chat Search out kick. We hope you'll subscribe to the channel while you're there. Pound the uh, the like button and uh, hit the reminder so you know when we go live each and every day, plus all of the great shows uh, across the platform. Chad, good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon, Hutton. It's always fun when our fair city becomes the center of the sports world. And that's what's taking place this week with two huge stories. SEC Media Days, the biggest event going uh, across the country right now, right here in Nashville. We were over there this morning. And also... DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, lots of big storylines around the city of Nashville right now.
0: And that's where we'll start with our top headlines today coming out of the weekend. Uh, we were waiting with uh, DeAndre Hopkins and, and the decision he was going to make. The Chiefs were involved. The lines in Vegas flipped again over the weekend where it favored, still favored Tennessee as landing Hopkins, but ended up being Kansas City much closer than I think many expected uh, not New England. And, Chad, here is Hopkins choosing the Titans. Familiarity with, of course, Mike Vrabel, uh, with uh, Kelly, the offensive coordinator. But beyond that, the money, which isn't all that much. $3 million total in incentives to be earned or could be earned. It's a two-year, $26 million contract with voidable years after that, which is automatic with uh, the, the deal that he's going to sign if he hasn't already. But the important part is only $15 million is guaranteed at signing. And that leads me to think if the Titans were the most aggressive on the market, they didn't bid against themselves and no one really wanted to climb to this level to sign a guy who has 1,000 yards plus in six of the eight seasons in the league. I'm stunned by that based on the money that I think... People expected, but he didn't see. Yeah, I, I
1: think looking at the financials of it, you know, two years, $26 million, but you said the $15 million guaranteed. And I think the Titans didn't really have to break the bank for him. No, it's
0: a great deal for and them.
1: And he was far and away the best free agent wide receiver option around, right? So the fact that the Titans end up with him, um, they don't have to overbid. Great news for the Titans, and I think you know simply this. This turns the Titans to me into the favorite to win the AFC South. I, I really do think they were they were a an awful wide receiver room away from being. They were in second place behind Jacksonville. They add to that receiver room, and now with Hopkins and Traylon Burks, the rookie coming back for a year or two, I, I really think the Titans are right there uh,
0: with Jacksonville. They had a terrible offensive line last year. They've made changes. Yep. Uh, And you just mentioned the the two wide receivers that people would know who are fans of football, you know? I I still lean Jacksonville, honestly, uh, with their wide receiving court, Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, who was a hit last year within that offense. And I think they're clicking as the season ended going into the postseason. There are still a ton of question marks across that division. Jacksonville and Tennessee should be neck and neck. They should be. But the war of attrition has crushed a couple of these teams in the division, namely at the top of the list, Tennessee. And if that happens again with all the injuries over the last two years, they can't afford one or two, especially at the wide receiving core, because they don't have anybody after those guys. They had to get Hopkins, and they did at a very reasonable contract.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, to me, that's the big takeaway of, of the options that were out there for Hopkins to go. I thought Titans were more desirable than the Patriots, and that proved to be true. He really true. had no leverage. Yeah, and I really think it, for DeAndre Hopkins' purposes, of to go win a Super Bowl, you hope that Kansas City can free up some money and sign you, and you go play with Patrick Mahomes, but I think it's a great move for the Titans, and again, it, it, even if you still are going to pick Jacksonville, which I understand, this makes that, the top of that division much more interesting with Jacksonville and Tennessee. So big addition for the Titans, and they desperately
0: needed to add to that receiver room. Franchise tag deadline is today. We'll dive further into those headlines uh, with Jordan Schultz, who will join us coming up in, in hour number three, a uh, little over uh, two hours from right now, where we're, we're awaiting word on the deadline, which is 4 o'clock Eastern, with uh, a number of players, but specifically Saquon Barkley. The Giants are trying to get a deal done at the 11th hour there. Josh Jacobs and Tony Pollard are also ones we're watching uh, for news to come out over the the next hour. Jordan joins us with the latest headlines and what does or doesn't happen between now and then. If something doesn't happen, are the guys, are are the running backs going to sit out? That's the, the next shoe to drop based on today's deadline. Generally, though, deadlines, they spur action. And ultimately, these guys can sign the tender and it's ten million guaranteed just by signing the dotted line with their name on it. It's four
1: p.m. Eastern, yeah. right? The yeah. deadline,
0: so we're going to know in fifty-four minutes uh, on this.
1: But yeah, I, I would say sign. <laughs> that would that would be the the advice if I'm an agent if I'm talking to these guys. I know.
0: Yeah, sign it. If Hopkins doesn't have leverage, we know the running backs don't. Nope. Rory McElroy has won the Scottish Open. He has one going into this week, which is the Open, the British Open. And, Chad, he has back-to-back birdies to do so. And he does this after playing well but not sealing the deal recently. He's keeping his name at the top of the leaderboards, as are the top players, uh, the major champions on the Live Golf Tour, namely Brooks Kepka and others. And the back and forth will continue with his opinions on Liv as everyone takes center stage this week at uh, Royal Liverpool.
1: Yeah, and he, he picked a good time to finally come through in the clutch at the Scottish Open leading into Royal Liverpool where he won the British Open in 2014 on this course. So Rory McIlroy playing well at the right time. This was the opposite finish of what we've seen from Rory in recent years which is encouraging now going into a major. If this was a major, does he close it out with two birdies on 17-18 to win it? That's, that's been the problem for Roy McIlroy. It's not in, in the lesser tournaments like a Scottish Open. It's been in the majors where he's he's just not put it together. He's not completely falling apart sometimes, yeah. but he's just not putting it together on, the, on a Sunday to go win a major, but it can't be set up any better For Rory McIlroy coming off this win and now going to a course he's very familiar with and he's won at before, yeah,
0: I I I think his his comments last week about you know if if live golf was the last tour on earth, I'd retire and just play the majors. I think he said we saw the PGA Tour and and Jay Monahan. It was the Canadian Open right before the U.S. Open, the week before, where he had to face critics and still does. By the way, he's back. As commissioner official today, uh, on this Monday, he's back in after taking a leave of absence for a medical issue over the last month. Maybe it's been five, maybe six weeks uh, since then. Point being, I don't know the last time. well, in in recent majors, the guys haven't really talked all that much about live or the PGA Tour and the discomfort with playing across from each other, right? And, in fact, there's not really much animosity from the players' end of it. I don't know if guys are going to comment much on it or not this week because we haven't seen that at recent events. Yeah,
1: I don't, I don't see any reason, you know, that it's going to be anything different than, than what we've had. And it had really calmed. You know, even before yes, the merger had. was announced, uh, we had Scott Stallings on our show in advance of the, the, the Masters, and he just said, hey, you know, this, it's not a thing. In the locker room with players, it's not a thing. It's a thing to the media, but guys are still friendly. If guys were friendly before, they're back to the same exact way they were, even if they left for for Live. So, um, I think everything is 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 calm, and I still get a kick out of just the the semantics behind Rory McElroy saying, "If Live was the last tour on Earth, I would retire." And I'm thinking, well, Live is PGA now. It is molding into one, and the people behind Live are now going to be behind PGA. So we're really just talking about a different name. It's a different title. You're with the PGA, yes, but now Liv is a big-time investor
0: and has some ownership on the PGA Tour. Chad, who is the most powerful person, individual person in college athletics? Greg Sankey. He spoke today, gave the State of the Union for the Southeastern Conference. I got it right. Good. And, and, I like and, to get and, quiz
1: questions right.
0: And and had a number of issues that he had pre-planned, and initiatives he wanted to get out there as storylines. Number one, they they began. They he honors Mike Leach, who passed away within the last year, um, and, and and did a great job in in speaking about him. Number two, they uh, the SEC honored the first responders to the Covenant school shooting that took place back on March 27th here in Nashville. They had four of the five first responders on stage with him and and what was a cool moment. And they honored the the, the six who were killed in that shooting, murdered in that shooting um, back in March here in Nashville. Beyond that, his main talking point is about Congress. It is about legislation. He took a shot at the state legislators who are, in effect, through recent votes, banning any type of regulation within their state on name image likeness. Because that does not keep things equal from an SEC perspective across the board, from a college football uh, uh, perspective across the board. And he pointed to, if we don't get federal help in coming together and finding out how we corral this, and at least Decide on some parameters or guardrails for where we're headed. This thing is going to get much worse than the perception already is about who's doing what and what the players can or can't do. But there's not much they can't do at this point, Chad. And the, 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 the portal being wide open and no one leading from the NCAA perspective. Sanky just straight up said, if we don't get Congress's help, we're not going to make steps forward in what we're trying to do to come up with a way that's fair for all sides not just two schools in texas a couple of schools you know in georgia or wherever you want to point to compared to the other states that are saying uh we're going to put some restrictions in place meanwhile texas is saying no matter what comes up federally down the road right now have at it. Do whatever you want. Spend as much as you want.
1: Also, the announcement today, speaking of Texas, that next year's SEC media days will move to Texas in Dallas because that will be the launch of Texas and Oklahoma into the SEC going into that season. So they're moving SEC media days to Dallas. I think the way he phrased it was a patchwork, uh, a quilt of state laws yeah. is not getting the job done. We talked about the one in Missouri where they can pay NIL money starting in high school. So if you commit to a state school, you can make that money in high school and how that that's a law that could benefit um, the you know Missouri Tigers, as an example, in, in the SEC. So I, I just – he's right. There needs to be some sort of federal regulation on NIL and what's acceptable. And then every school in America can just play by those laws. And then everything is at least on the up and up with what you can do and what you can't. And a league like the SEC or the Big Ten or the ACC or any conference is going to be helped by federal legislation. I just, and I know that Commissioner Sankey is saying this is a nonpartisan issue. There is a nonpartisan solution to this that could benefit both parties, both sides, everyone. I agree with him, but I also think when you're sitting around waiting for federal legislation and for our federal government to come up with a solution— we had Senator Tommy Tuberville on the show, and he said, I mean, keep praying because we don't get anything done here. That was his message to Greg Sankey and everyone else. That's not exactly a ringing endorsement or a cause for a lot of confidence that it's going to be the government that figures this mess out for the SEC in every major conference.
0: Yeah, no one's going to figure it out with the election year coming up either. You know, no. This is going to be more of the same. And I, I think this is uh, – you know, th- this is a clear indication that the meetings that are taking place is a waste of time. Uh, I don't believe in meeting for the sake of meeting. There are a lot of people who do. There's no progress that comes from that. And I, I took his comments to mean that's exactly what's happening here: grandstanding to act like you're affecting change when all you're doing is kicking the can down the road so you can point to something else and blame someone across the aisle from you whenever the time comes. That that's more or less the indication from the sec commissioner
1: yeah we heard you out now we can check that box because we've met and we talked about it but now we're not going to do anything about it after the meeting uh, that's what these uh senate hearings and everything else that's going on that's what it feels like to me now in the nil space with collectives spire sports classic city it's tennessee georgia old miss michigan Different schools are coming together with their collectives, and they form this this collective association. The alliance. I, I think that's. I mean, it, it's not everyone right now, and it's. But it is at least an a, an effort and an attempt to come up with some rules to judge collectives by, which I think is progress, right? I mean, it's not just they're going to share information on certain things, but it's let's make sure that we come up with a way to look like we're on the up and up because that's what we want to be. We want to be legitimate. We want to do things the right way. We want to help student athletes. We don't want to overpromise. We don't want to be the Florida Gators collective that promised too much money to Jaden Rashada and he got to campus and realized that they had to come back on their promise to him and couldn't pay him and he ends up transferring. That gives collectives (laughs) an awful name and that's the last thing they want. So I do think coming together like that
0: could be a benefit meet for the sake of doing not for the sake of meeting but that's not going to happen anytime soon and that's unfortunate because you're going to have certain state laws and regulations that will open the door and allow the schools that are spending the most money to continue to do so you know who does stuff
1: bobby carpenter
0: he does a lot he's a doer and talks to a lot in the know we'll we'll have bobby carpenter join us next we'll discuss the lawsuits that are headed northwestern's way plus uh maybe some nfl holdouts we talk with the carp next on hot mic sixth and peabody our location with e beer and old smoky moonshine glad you're with us for hot Mike with hutton and withrow across the owl kick network Chad, I think the biggest news that will come out this week is how Kirby Smart takes questions on all the things happening at Georgia. That happens, is it tomorrow or Thursday when Georgia's on display? I believe it is
1: tomorrow. Tuesday or Thursday. It's coming up. I'll I'll, I'll double check, but I think it's tomorrow.
0: We've got uh, Billy Lucci from texags.com, all things college football. He'll join us coming up in about an hour. Jordan Schultz, Clark Lee, and much more. Right now, we say hello to Bobby Carpenter, uh, who's got a private jet who could join us <laughs> here in uh, Nashville for a party here at Sixth and Peabody on Wednesday night. Bobby, good to see you, man. Hope things are well.
2: Oh, things are going great, guys. I uh, I don't know about that private jet, but oh, I've I'll see seen what it. I can do.
0: You've you, you brought it here before.
2: <laughs> Didn't you take a private a,
1: jet to Taylor Swift?
2: Two. That is true, but yeah. that is not mine, so I, I don't... I don't own one or am in possession of one or even have one for personal use. And this isn't like a John Kerry answer where like my wife has the jet and I don't. There's no one in my family who ever has or most likely ever will own uh, a jet.
0: Sirius XM is where you can find Bobby Carpenter, uh, our college football analyst here on the show. Georgia is tomorrow, by the okay, way. Good. That's when Kirby yeah. Smart will, will speak. You agree that that's the top headline this week other than Northwestern and the lawsuits headed their way, which we'll hit on in a moment. But on your show and our, our show here, uh, we're going to be talking a lot about how Georgia either deflects or points to issues with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution who will be in attendance for the presser uh, with Kirby Smart. Uh, I'm intrigued by how... He addresses the off the field issues and the number of court appearances that his his players have made since he's been there.
2: I mean, I guess I don't know if it's appropriate for him to make light of it, but I can make fun of it. And he could add, you know, Luke Combs just recovered fast car, and I don't know if that was in honor of Georgia or <laughs> yeah. you know what what they were thinking about there. He yeah. may want to just have that playing in the background, kind of ease ease into that a little bit. Comes yeah, in with his he, own he boom was,
1: box and he's just playing that yeah. on the walk into the podium.
2: Why not? I mean, you might as well own it at that point. I mean, but you know, with that, obviously there's some serious things that did happen. Yeah. So it's not great to, you know, <laughs> go too far with it. But he they, they've obviously you know, they've won two national championships in a row. And so now the topic of conversation shifts to everything going on in the offseason. And you know, can you three Pete? Are you uh are you you know ready to dethrone Nick Saban? Are you now the kings of the Southeastern Conference? And so when you have that microscope on you. And you have some of the things that happen this offseason that there's going to be attention. So it's not undue attention. They're the best. They've been there. Everybody wants to know what's going on with them. And they've done it to themselves by putting themselves in the headlines. And like you said, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are pressing on it a little bit. And it's great to be, you know, an hour outside of Atlanta and you'll know, have a lot of the media buzz and a lot of the attention. But sometimes that also can lead to it. Uh, a detriment for you if you will
0: and I think the side issue or topic of discussion tomorrow and moving forward with Bama later this week it's just assume that the quarterback spot at both spot uh, both programs are going to be fine uh in the replacements that they're being uh, Stetson Bennett no longer there at Georgia of course Bryce Young's the number one overall pick from Bama do you agree is it, it's just kind of something we should be overlooking or is it not being talked about enough
2: I mean, I have more confidence in Georgia's situation than I do in Bama's right now. Yeah, when you look at that, I mean, when you're bringing in a quarterback, Nick Saban is very calculated. He does not do act in a rash manner. He's not going to be you know irrational when it comes to things. He's not going to be overly responsive. But when you go through the spring and all of a sudden you realize like we've got a couple guys battling for a position and it doesn't really look all that good. We go bring in a quarterback from Notre Dame who, OK, let's be honest, they like, could Notre Dame, you feel like in the quarterback swap, getting Sam Hartman, they feel a lot uh, better than probably Alabama does with getting Buckner. And Saban had the chance. I mean, you're telling me he couldn't have went and got you know, Hartman early in the season? He could have, but he wanted to let his guys play it out because that's what good programs do. You don't necessarily want to be responsive and get in the portal. If you, uh, if you recruit well and you developed well, you're going to be in a good spot most times. Well, they're not. And the thing is, it's the most valuable position now in football whether it's college or the NFL this isn't 10 years ago where we will hand it off 40 times play really good defense and find a way to nurse it to wins so yeah they're in a bit of a pickle right now at Alabama when you look at how good LSU is George looks like they're coming Tennessee's on the rise and there's some other teams now where the talent level and the coaching ability has really elevated and with that It's going to be a tougher situation for the Crimson Tide, whereas Georgia, you feel a lot better with what you're hearing come out of the spring than you were coming out of Tuscaloosa.
1: All this Georgia talk and having you on the show right now, Bobby, has got me thinking about Ohio State, Michigan. The Michigan-Georgia connection is that Jim Harbaugh has put signs all over the facility that say beat Georgia instead of beat Ohio this offseason because now Georgia is the mark even though Georgia's not on their schedule officially this year as the two-time national champion uh, what what do you make of that uh, that 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 motivational tactic that now you know we we're, we're, we're out to beat Georgia and not Ohio State that's not no longer the emphasis
2: well uh, you know everybody's going to kind of look at things their own way a couple years ago Ryan Dave, you know had a big push to try to make sure they were beating Clemson and taking care of that that wasn't that they took off the you know beat Michigan signs, that team up north and the countdown clock and all, all that stuff was there. But when you start getting to those elite levels, you start looking at more national brands and maybe teams that you struggle with. And, you know, right, wrong or different. Georgia, they are, you know, they are the standard right now in college football. And they've been that the last two years. So I get why they're doing it. Um, you know, I love Jim Harbaugh and a lot of his crazy antics and everything he does. I think it's entertaining. Uh, it's really fun. You know, when you start going in like this and start looking over, I mean, it's noticed by guys at Ohio State. I'm I'm guaranteeing the players are seeing that and saying, Okay, well, you beat us two years and that's real. That that happened. Uh, let's see if we can get it done now for three years in a row, or if that pendulum will begin to swing back. So, yeah, that, that's what you love about college and those rivalries. And that's the one thing, guys. Like when we have all this conference expansion, everything happens, like the stuff that makes college football special is the rivalries and the emotion and the passion, everything that goes with it. And the fact that we're having this conversation now about it, and I don't ever want to lose that from what makes college football so unique and different from the NFL.
1: Here we go, Bobby. We knew SEC Media Days would produce some headlines by coaches saying something or doing something. And I know that you saw this and reacted to it. Brett McMurphy on Twitter saying that Texas A&M's Jimbo Fisher would not answer if offensive coordinator Bobby Petrino will call plays. Quote, I'm not going to get into that. Bobby was hired for a reason. Tremendous guy, tremendous football mind. Hopefully he'll call the game and have suggestions. Boy, Bobby, I I was thinking, you know, Jimbo Fisher's really turning things over to bring Bobby Petrino on board, but won't even answer if the guy's calling plays or not for him.
2: Hopefully he'll call the game and have suggestions. So is he going to call the game or is he going to have suggestions? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you really can't do both. It's like saying, hey, can you drive and be a great navigator for me as well? You're trying to figure out, like, if what are you suggesting if you're the one that has the final say? And so Jacob Hester and I have been laughing about this for a long time because he played for Jimbo. My brother worked for Petrino. Like, you feel like you have a good insight into those guys. You see them on the sideline. You know, both those guys have big egos. They've been very successful. Um, and uh, I just find it very interesting to see, you know, when that first third down comes in, and maybe Jimbo vetoes uh, Petrino, maybe Petrino just tries to push it in anyway, and you know, maybe it just doesn't work out as well. And you know, they're getting some delayed games, and the offense isn't as smooth as everybody would have hoped. That's when you're going to see some good stuff. If they go out and they're winning games, you know, forty-five to seven, that won't be entertaining. But this has the ability to be about the most combustible sideline I think in all of sports right now. Just knowing how those two guys operate the pressure that they're under and the expectations that Texas a and is going to have.
0: Billy Lucci joins us in less than an hour. We'll certainly get the latest. He will know. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, and, and read between the lines for us on those comments. What what have you observed? Um, what have you picked up on of the last week since you last joined us about everything at Northwestern um, and, and the fact that there are lawsuits coming? Lawyers are going to get rich off of this.
2: Yeah, and that's, that's, would have been picked Ritcher. up, you know, I've, I've kind of looked into the lawsuits and trying to see, you know, is really isn't a whole lot out there on them yet. Um, I, you know, I was surprised and I don't know, I guess maybe nothing surprised me where, you know, no one's really had an issue, not an issue, but no one's out, come out and publicly complained. But now all of a sudden that there you know, was coaches, a coach has been fired and it looks like they're in the wrong. All of a sudden we're going to garner up as much support as we possibly can, you know, and go try to get, you know, financial compensation from the university. I mean, I, I guess it's not surprising in today's day and age, but if you had an issue with it before, I, I don't know why this wasn't pursued at a prior date. And it was only, you know, one or, one guy or two guys or whatever, maybe up to six or seven or something, what it could have been. So that, that to me is always something that I look at this and I get it. You know, if there's stuff that's actually happened, you know, people feel like they need to be made whole, but if you weren't pursuing it until this point in time, like I said, this isn't a situation where you're talking about young girls or, you know, younger kids. And these are grown men that are in college, you know, 18 to 23 years old. And so if there's something going on that you're uncomfortable with, you know, bringing that up in the present time, I don't think that that should be a big issue or even, you know, immediately in the past time. And I haven't seen who's hopped on this lawsuit and how, you know, far removed some of these guys are, but you know, you're telling me you can be out of college six, seven years and be 30 years old and something that happens to you when you're 20 it wasn't like it happened to you when you're eight. Like you were, you should have, I would hope, have the courage to be able to stand up and say something if this was going on at the level that it was going to. So you could get it stopped and maybe get it adjudicated then as opposed to waiting this long.
0: Don't you kick someone's ass if that if that happened to you at Ohio State?
2: <laughs> guys, I mean, I, I don't know. We, we, we've moved past I, all this stuff. Like I, I hear stuff that's happened to guys in college, we're talking about football players that play a combative sport that are some of the toughest guys in the world. I'm not saying things can't get out of control and things can't go too far. We're talking about stuff that's happening in the locker room in broad daylight in the middle of the day. And so if someone's going to try to do something I don't like, okay, it's not happening. And I don't care if you're 18, 19 years old or if you're 22, 23 years old. Like that, that to me, those things don't mesh. And I was telling the story, in my freshman year, someone smacked my ass. I had a handprint on for like two days walking in the shower. I mean, I about wanted to cry. It's probably the hardest I'd ever been freaking hit in my life. But it's like, all right, dude, you walk in, you shower up, you you dust it off and you go. Because half of it is just to see if you can handle it. And that's where it began and that's where it ended. And, and, you know, there's crap like this that happens all the time. And so to me, when I look at this, I'm like, man, I there's things in there that are serious from what I've been, what I've, people I've talked to, I don't believe that all those allegations are true. If they are, okay, well, that's another beast. But You said, man, you have the ability to step up and handle it, take care of it in the locker room, take care of it out on the field or whenever you need to, and that's how those problems are solved.
0: Uh, uh, See if you agree with this. I I think there's got to be uh, some other detail that led leadership to go from a two-week unpaid leave in the middle of the summer to fired with cause, and they admitted that they can't prove if the coaches knew or or, or didn't know – Meanwhile, I mean, there are a lot of allegations. I, I haven't read a, a single player's name that was involved in it. Just those that are anonymous saying it happened to them. Or you've uh, got Ruiz Jr. who is detailing it from back in 2006, 2005, 2006. But there's no one else to point to specifically. And to me, that's a bit odd.
2: It is, because like you said, it went from a two-week suspension to a termination. And so you have to think there were more details that would come yeah. out. I, I, from what people have said, that it's all in the report. And I, you know, I don't like things going to court because, like you said, the only people that get rich are lawyers. But at the end of it, if they go through discovery, that report is going to become public, and we'll see if in there either a, there was stuff that was egregious, and you know what, it should have been more than two weeks at the beginning, and maybe a termination, or. If it's just the same stuff that we already heard about and you're thinking, well, now all of a sudden the court of public opinion is weighed in and we didn't like how it felt. So instead of standing by our original ruling, we're going to now bow down to the masses. And so that, that's my issue with it. It's if there's nothing new in there, which from what people have said, I mean, that Fitzgerald's attorney said there's no new information. Maybe there is. And maybe he's not tell- being honest with it. But I don't know how you make a jump like that. Um, based upon the same evidence you had, you know, a month prior.
0: Bobby, final thirty seconds or so here. Sam Hartman, quarterback now at Notre Dame, the rib that was removed from his chest—he's apparently making that into a necklace. Is this freaking awesome, as you would term it, or is this weird?
2: I think it's his mom that's making it into a necklace, and she's going to be the one that wears it. For my, at least, that's what I read. Now that's weird. Would you wear it in the, the game? It's a little- yeah, would I wear my own rib? Maybe I'd wear my own, but I don't know if I'd want my mom wearing my rib. That might yeah. be a little bit different.
0: I could see you wearing like a bear claw or something. The only rib I'm concerned with
1: is the rib and whenever it's coming back on the menu, that's all I care about.
2: I've got, I've got my little screw. I, you know, I've got a plate and nine screws in my leg. I'd have one taken out. I have the screw that came out, but I don't. Uh, don it on my chest Or wear it, it just sits on the, Send it to the Medical well, bag in my I'll, I'll wear it For
0: these interviews I'll fashion into An
1: ank- yeah. anklet And wear Actually, it every day Bring
0: it Bring it whenever You take the jet Here Wednesday evening And yeah, we'll, you'll be back Early we'll see Thursday see you at the party morning. On Wednesday Thank you Bobby Appreciate you man Thanks guys Bobby Carpenter College football analyst Check him out on Sirius XM channel 84 uh, Absolutely One of the best uh, The garage beers On point as well Lake Tahoe Plenty of headlines from a celebrity golf tournament that took place. That's where we start when we return. Chad, we had the chance to catch up with Detroit Lions rookie quarterback Hendon Hooker earlier today over at uh, SEC Media Day's he, uh, we, we asked him his thoughts on the future of college football. He 100% agrees, power, super conference. And um, he thinks we're headed towards like a, a union, a players union as well. He agreed.
1: Yeah, it's, um, and Greg Sankey today saying NIL has been a net positive for the most part for student athletes, but there are concerns around it that hit at a threat to the sport in five to ten years, the sport as we know it, and he's, and that's exactly talking about what Hinden Hooker said. That's in line with that. That the sport as we know it is becoming no more because there's going to be a need for federal legislation with NIL. How do you classify college athletes if they are uh, making money to play the sport? Right. As well, uh, will there be a union? There's a lot of things. And now I I still believe that we're going to see college football played at the highest level, very similar in the next 10, 20 years, however long, right? SEC, Big Ten, the big conference schools are going to continue. They're going to continue playing football at a high level and they will serve as a minor league for the NFL for many years to come. I think a lot of other programs are going to be sacrificed in this
0: that can't keep up. But they then they'll be regulated by the, not the old ways, but the recent ways prior to the wide open free for all that took place July 1st, 2021. But I, I think in large part, a lot of the coaches at that level are going to have to become Trent Dilfer in the way of thinking, meaning Trent said it and told us, Hey, uh, if, a, a power five schools coming in and they're offering 200 grand to a player that I've developed for him to go into a, a junior season where he's likely headed pro and that's going to benefit him for exposure, who am I to sit back and say, no, don't go. We're going to offer you 50000 instead to try to get you to stay. They're just not going to offer. And I think that will be the mindset. It will have to be the mindset of the have-nots in this group.
1: Just big picture, you know, macro of college sports. I hope those smaller programs don't go away because those are great training grounds and outlets for – Kids who just want to go to college. You know, we forget about that. There there are a group of, of student yeah. athletes that, hey, I would just like to have a full ride somewhere. I'd like for those full scholarships yeah, to still exist. College and, yeah, for graduate football programs not in the power five or even, you yeah. know, division two or NAIA level, whatever it may be. I'm all for opportunities for young athletes to continue playing and get a little college money doing so. And I hope that doesn't go away just because of this desire to get to the biggest, baddest possible thing. And the biggest, baddest possible thing is a super conference, super league of college football that dwarfs everything else.
0: Two of the baddest at what they do in the NFL and in NBA put on display in Lake Tahoe at the American Century Championship. Let's start with I mean, Steph Curry, you know, could do everything well, under you know, the half-court shots, the full-court uh, draining threes from the, the bleachers. You know he's really good at ping pong, too. Uh, I feel like uh, he's, he's a guy at who everything. picks up anything and he's just great at it. He's, he's good at everything. He, he showed out uh, a bit at the, the the match late last month. Now he's in Tahoe and he's got a hole-in-one. I mean, I watch this. I mean, I, I'm sitting there watching really the reaction. And I'm thinking, does Curry need well, anything else? This right at it if it gets there. On the bio? You know, it's... How about that? This hole in one, you see it
1: and you don't immediately think, man, this is a guy who could really catch a break. You know, he could really use another break. His and reaction he drains is the a hole in one. The sprint up the fairway and the reaction, then tagging the, the flag stick as he goes past it, I thought was, was awesome. And that's what's so neat about that is here is a guy, multiple NBA champion you know, form, past league MVPs. Yeah. done all these things so accomplished in his sport. And you see him turn into a child when he hits a hole-in-one, right? He's like a giddy little kid playing a different sport. And that hole-in-one is going to be, of all the NBA memories, college basketball memories that he's he has and he's made, that's going to be close to the top. I guarantee it. Based on that reaction, I don't remember hitting that hole in one.
0: Anyone that would hit a hole in one, but and not react that way,
1: oh in yeah, some way.
0: yeah. Now, what I what I do want to know is what was the bar tab on the nineteenth hole for this? Because he's got to pay. I mean, you got Mike Vrabel there. Uh, <laughs> Pat Pat McAfee uh, reported back as they were uh, uh, playing, said it was twelve to fifteen cigarettes in early on in round one. Vrabel, yeah. That doesn't surprise me with, I mean, there's imagine the bar tab.
1: That is, that does seem like a crowd in Tahoe that will get after it with all those celebrity, they go back every year, those celebrity, just alpha males in one place playing in the, the pro-am tournament. (laughs) I I feel like that bar tab, it's not something that Steph Curry couldn't afford, but it was, it was pricey. It was definitely pricey.
0: Yeah. The, uh, The rivalry, maybe it's a rivalry moving forward. Aaron Rodgers against Tony Romo. Romo was the defending champ uh, for the the NFL players in this. And and he's excellent at, at golf, among other things. Rodgers beat him. Well, one of the knocks was that
1: he played too much golf, and that's why he slipped <laughs> on his an- well, analysis, remember? I, I, I did, yeah. But but I, I, he was uh, going immediately to the golf course, flying out, well, maybe, just
0: playing golf all week. Maybe he's taking off a few rounds in preparation because he's trying to focus. Maybe CBS. The first
1: thing I thought was, we're going to see an improved Tony Romo <laughs> this year. If he's losing to Aaron Rodgers, who is still playing quarterback in the NFL, that doesn't get to golf nearly as I, much, maybe Romo is more focused
0: on his analysis. I think... Romo and Nance will be just fine this year. It's a Super Bowl year for CBS. I'm curious about 2024-25. That's the season I want to see with them after the Super Bowl. Are they together, or is there really some friction there? Yeah, that's a great point. Because they're, they're bringing everybody – they're hiring, they continue to bring guys in because you've got the Super Bowl this year. Uh, but you've got – Every
1: time I see this tournament – and watch it on TV. Yeah. I start Googling hotels and resorts in Lake Tahoe and want to go there. I've never pulled the trigger on it. Never gone. But it's one of those. Remember the, the one challenge that was in Montana somewhere at that course? Remember Aaron Rodgers was a part of it? I remember looking up to see how much it would stay at that golf course. Oh, in the match. The match, yeah. Not the challenge, the match. Uh, but I remember looking up that. But every time, I, I so desperately want to go to Lake Tahoe when I watch this event never gone haven't done it yet but I always fantasize about going there one day
0: Rogers was the best among NFL players uh, this this past weekend in the three rounds and I, I I in this I'm thinking Rogers is he looks what 10 years younger compared to last year I think it's more than just trimming the beard and the hair uh, he's I think that's happy, a lot of it though jovial
1: that's a big refreshed
0: part uh, he's Playing for the team, you know, miraculously came out of his cave and saw a vision that had him playing for the Jets. I mean, funny how that you know worked out because that was the only team that Green Bay was willing to trade him to.
1: Does everyone in Green Bay just look 10 years older than their actual birth age? Does, that, does Wisconsin not, and Green Bay just not Matt age Lafleur. you Matt Lafleur to that level? Yeah, Matt LaFleur older. still looks good. He's, he's staying young in the cold weather. Jordan
0: Love, we'll see how much he ages. This is like I, the I feel like
1: living in Green Bay just may age you a little bit. Like Everybody's just a little bit more mature, looks a little bit older. And then once he got out of that environment and he started breathing in non-Wisconsin air, then he filled the lungs up a little bit with that New York City fresh air
0: <laughs> we all that we all crave, and he got younger. The fountain of youth. The uh, – I'm also – it was Colin Coward, I think, that said he didn't want a quarterback that loved golf. Is Colin Coward anti-Aaron Rodgers now for beating all the NFL that's players a good, That's
1: a good question. Um, Got to stand by it. I was actually Do listening, you was actually to, listening to Colin Coward on the way in because uh, he plays – is on before us yeah. on our Nashville radio station, 94.9 The Fan, was listening, and they were talking about the quarterback series on Netflix – I've heard great things. i watched the first two episodes. They're each about 45 minutes long. There's eight episodes, I think, or eight or ten this uh, this season. Really, really good. Uh, It is the same group that does Drive to Survive, the F1 series, Full Swing, Golf, and now this. And it's very, very well produced. And you will love Kirk Cousins watching this. And Patrick Mahomes is more of an alpha personality than I ever could have imagined watching this also. He is incredible.
0: Was his brother in the in the room? That's no that surprise. Might be why?
1: His brother has not appeared yet on the documentary through two episodes. Thank
0: God. I, I doubt he will. His wife is a prominent character in the um in the docu series. Um, uh, they have the chance to take over supremacy against Hard Knocks. Oh, I, absolutely. I, I think this thing is so much better. Depending on who than, they than Hard Knocks. If you get the right tier, if of you QBs. get the right
1: trio every year, it, it will be great. I mean, Kirk Cousins is um, just a really likable dude. I, I, look, I'm going to end up watching all of them. I've only seen the first two. But all the good reviews you're hearing about it, I'm, I can confirm now. It's, it's really well done.
0: I look forward to seeing it. Um, look forward to following the, the final, or the second half of the Major League Baseball season. Chad, your biggest storyline to follow in the second half of the season would be what?
1: Well, the Mets and the Padres. I'm going to go with the Mets here. That's the number 1 and number 3 biggest payrolls in all of Major League Baseball going into this year. They both have failed miserably so far this season. I think the Mets are something like 19 and a half back from the Braves in the NL East and they're are a lot of there's a number of games back in the wild card also. Will the Mets actually be sellers? Even with all that Steve Cohen money pumping through there, will they decide we got to get rid of some of these stars and go
0: get some young assets in return. But they have five or six players with no trade clauses.
1: Yeah, but Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, Brandon Nimmo, do you deal one of these guys, two of these guys, to try to go get prospects in return? That's a a big-time question for me in the second half. What are the Mets going to do at the trade deadline, if anything?
0: Well, the, the last public comments that Cohen made was he's considered the contracts already money spent, and I I, I love that. My, but he has. But he traded. also said
1: if we're not making any movement in the standings, I'd be crazy not, not to, to try to get something. Yeah, try to look at what
0: we need to do. But is he a, a farm system guy? I, 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 wouldn't, I don't. I not So yeah. So what are you getting in return? Well, you could get. You know, someone who's... But if you're a buyer and not a seller, you're not trading away good players to give to the Mets.
1: Well, you're trading away good prospects. So you could get, I, like, really good double AAA I mean.
0: guys yeah.
1: that are going to be ready for the majors in a year.
0: But there's, I don't know... I don't view Cohen as an owner that would be geared on developing players as much as it would be just signing the top players available because of the I, I, money available to him. I wouldn't either, him.
1: but I will say he seems like a guy who's smart enough to evolve. And if he feels like this isn't working he will evolve into something different. And if his baseball people are saying, we got to go get these arms or this bat from this team and get rid of this guy,
0: I think he'll listen. It's tough right now because the guys that would draw the top dollar or top return have no trade clauses. Yeah. That's part of the reason why they joined. I mean, he would be great to to play for. He's handing out top dollar – you can stay because of the no trade clause. You control where you go yeah, if you and that, want to grant access. And
1: that's why it's such a big question going into the, the back half of the year because they could just sit. You know, They could just say, hey, it's a failed year, but we're not bailing out of this. We're still going to keep paying everybody, and we're yeah. going to come back and do it again and the, add
0: to it. Top headline, I know you agree here. Top headline in the second half is at, at the trade deadline on August 1st is Shohei Otani playing in a different uniform uh, August 2nd. I suspect he will be. I hope it's not as easy as he's staying in Los Angeles and just going to the Dodgers. It sounds that way based on the insiders that cover the league. I'd love to see him in Seattle if he's staying on the West Coast. Beyond that, put him in the East. I don't care where because he's going to be a national prominence and get so much more exposure. And from a playoff perspective, we'll see him lock and load on the mound and... At the plate. And I, if he stays in the American League, he has a chance to challenge for Aaron Aaron Judge's home run record that was set in the AL.
1: And if he gets traded, how does that affect what could be the greatest single season in the history of baseball when you look at what he's doing as a pitcher and as a slugger? I
0: think we see him more and we does remember that, does his Does that affect season. his
1: stats when he gets moved, right? His, his
0: season is extremely memorable, but will we remember it in moments instead of actually seeing the guy – and tuning in the way we tuned in to judge on a nightly basis i i I don't know not right now not if he's with the angels hope he's traded that's the top headline around major league baseball top headlines today next